Hey everyone. Today's book is Little Women, an American classic that tells the story of, on average, three and a half sisters. It has inspired on-screen adaptations like Little Women, Little Women, Little Women, Little Women, and Sex and the City. The author is American icon Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> and this is The Book Pile. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic and a father of one little woman and two little men, which sounds like a 90s Nickelodeon sitcom. <laughs> and I'm David Vance. I was annoyed when I found out Louisa May Alcott had to write under a male name to be taken seriously. Then I remembered I didn't watch or read Little Women till 2019 because it was about girls. <laughs> so maybe I'm the issue here. <laughs> As always, uh, please feel free to leave us a glowing review. <laughs> an imaginary color says, The book pile finally did an episode on a Brandon Zanderson Sanderson book. Now I have no excuse not to write a review, I said, and then didn't write a review for over a month. <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast for at least two years now, and it's never failed to delight. It's funny, it's informative, and it's even clean, so you can listen headphone-free without fear of your family's judgment. <laughs> Unless your family doesn't think uh, lots of JFK jokes are funny. <laughs> and then a few other very nice things, ending with long live the book pile. Well, thanks. Long live you, an imaginary <laughs> color. East Coast. I'm going to be in Rhode Island for the first time ever this Thursday, March 23rd. I forget what city, but it doesn't matter because everything in the whole state is walking distance. <laughs> then I'll be at the Comedy Loft in Chicopee, Massachusetts this Friday and Saturday, March 24th and 25th. Go to kellenerskin.com for tickets. So Kellen, in 2019, I went from knowing almost nothing about Little Women to being obsessed with it because the movie was so great. Mm -hmm. But when I watched it, my sister Jess didn't know I was coming in fresh so when friedrich bear comes on at the beginning jess leans over to me and says i can't believe she marries him oh no <laughs> even in a theater you're not safe from spoilers anyway i i watched little women seven times in theaters Whoa. and then read the book and i was so surprised by how much of the movie is just lifted straight from the book mm -hmm. it really is just kind of an immortal story but uh kellen what did you think so I started reading it once as a teenager, uh, gave up a couple chapters in, but I did enjoy going back and actually finishing it from the page I left off. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It's sort of a light narrative, especially the first mm -hmm. half where it's almost like a series of vignettes with a light through line, sort of like the Mandalorian. Well, Dave, you know, I've always said the Mandalorian is little women in space. Um, I mean, I do think it does start off pretty slow, but then it really hits the gas when, just kidding, the whole thing is slow. But that's okay with me because I'm able to read books and appreciate them within the context of the time, Grapes of Wrath. But I am surprised that you like this book, Dave. I'm glad that you did. Do you think if you hadn't watched the movie that you would have ever gotten into it? Oh, I, I have no idea. Probably not. It's like when you're in love with someone and so you also think their art is incredible. You can never separate the two things. <laughs> I feel like you want me to like Grapes of Wrath and I want you to like Ron Weasley and we are locked in an eternal struggle. <laughs> it's like an ancient myth. <laughs> For me, it's not that I want you to like Grapes of Wrath. It's just that I don't want you to hate something that is so <laughs> well-crafted. 
I actually don't. I don't hate it. I really struggled with the first two thirds, but your reactions have been so strong that I've just leaned into the bit really hard. (laughs) Well, (laughs) hating Ron has never been a joke to me. (laughs) All right. Like always, go to our YouTube channel. Link is in the bio and tell us what you thought of the episode. And then our next book, I will actually be gone on vacation. So the next book will be How to Be Married to Melissa by comedian Dustin Nickerson with special guest host Dustin Nickerson. No relation. All right. And without (laughs) further ado, here are four lessons that we took from Little Women. All right. Lesson one, you may not be the best judge of your work. There's a great Washington Post article about Louisa May Alcott not liking her own book. First off, how sad is that? It's about her life. (laughs) Imagine reading about your own sister's death and then saying, uh, it has act two problems. (laughs) As Louisa was writing, she said, I plod away, though I don't enjoy this sort of thing. Never liked girls. (laughs) Kellen, have you ever bought a bird watching book? And in the intro, the author says, I hate birds. (laughs) She says, never liked girls or knew many except my sister's. But our queer plays and experiences may prove interesting, though I doubt it. Later, she gave part of the book to the publisher and then journaled, he thought it dull, so do I. Oh, man. Callan, hearing this, don't you think maybe your old book that you're embarrassed of is a masterpiece? (laughs) I should dust that thing off. (laughs) Later, even when the book succeeded, she still didn't love the fans. It says... When adoring fans would knock on the door of her home, she would pretend to be a servant and usher them away. <laughs> like, what kind of Bugs Bunny tactic? <laughs> she for sure put on, like, the bonnet and the lipstick. <laughs> anyway, we've talked before about, you know, Stephen King threw away Carrie till his wife fished it out of the trash, or how Beethoven never knew which of his songs would actually succeed. Mm. So my takeaway is, even if you think your stuff is bad, show it to people because they may love it. Mm. All right, lesson two. It's weird that red flags don't see themselves. At one point, when Lori is stamping away from Joe because she rejected his marriage proposal, she says, where are you going? And he says, to the devil. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, I'm like, really, Lori? Would you date you? (laughs) That is a great line if you're ever rejected, though. (laughs) This will really make her feel guilty. Wait, no, don't. Don't go to the devil. (laughs) It's crazy. His whole argument during this proposal, at one point, he basically says, you have to marry me. Everyone will be disappointed. My grandpa's been looking forward to this. (laughs) What does he think? Okay, you got me now. You're right. You want that to be your proposal story later when people ask? I got down on one knee. She said no. I guilted her with my dying grandfather. (laughs) He forgot to bring up that he's an orphan. So I do love Joe's mature foresight, which is just a tad more developed than Romeo's. (laughs) During this exchange, she says, quick temper and strong wills would probably make us miserable. And then Lori says, no, 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 no. If we got married, I would be a perfect saint for you could make me anything you like, (laughs) which is such a horrible thing to say, whether you mean it or not. Right. Equally bad things. (laughs) Joe stands her ground. She says, no, I can't. 
I've already tried and failed. <laughs> and then she says, we're quarreling now, don't you see? Which is another good point. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and then towards the end, she says, look, I can't stand the elegance that you come from, and you'll be unhappy with my scribbling. I know she means writing, but what if she doesn't? And it's just, he comes home from the office and the walls are covered in crayon. <laughs> So speaking of Dustin Nickerson's book, which I just listened to, I thought he has some great advice for when considering marriage. He says, don't add up their best qualities, add up their worst ones, hmm. and then ask yourself, do you still want to spend the rest of your life with this person? I just think it's such great advice. It's it's like, don't even make a pros and cons list, just make the cons list. <laughs> And decide. And doesn't it seem like when people do that, they're just making the pros list because they're just trying to outweigh the bad stuff as <laughs> if it's some sort of moral scale? It's like that person who said, advice is what we ask for when we already know the answer but wish we didn't. <laughs> it's just not even a logical way to measure things because... It's not like the bad stuff happens at exactly the same time that the good stuff does to neutralize it, right? Right. As if while your partner is chewing loudly with their mouth open, they're also kind to animals and paying a bill on time. <laughs> anyway, I just don't think you should date anyone who you think you can fix or someone who says that they promise they'll change. There are just there are plenty of people out there already fixed. Right. And by already fixed, I don't mean perfect. I just mean there are people out there without anger issues or especially people who won't be physically or emotionally abusive to you. If you see a red flag, like your date yells at a server or punches a hole in the wall or punches a hole in a server, please <laughs> don't ignore it because you think they're still the only possible one for you. Right. There are millions of options out there. I promise there is more than one cute non-wall puncher out there for you. <laughs> Look for those people. And ignore the guy with the abs who's laying on his side shirtless with a red flag in his teeth like a rose. <laughs> All right. Lesson three. I'll take a suggestion from you if you can relate with me. Much of this book is oddly like a guidebook for living. <laughs> Except for Beth. Oh, my gosh. Not how to stay alive, Dave. <laughs> you read this wrong. Anyway, so many of the chapters end with the mom turning into Julie Andrews. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you see, girls, and that's why you should never be lazy. <laughs> you must unclog the privy. You must... <laughs> I, I just thought it was interesting because at the end of so many chapters, there's like this sort of moral, like the whole chapter was a fable. <laughs> it was kind of nice, though, I uh, because I never felt like I was being talked down to, like, mm -hmm. especially on like the aggressive personal motivation genre of books and speeches. You can find this one quote unquote speech that The Rock gave to the L.A. Lakers. Have you seen that? Dave? No. You can find it on YouTube. At one point, he talks about how every day he reminds himself that his 
back is against the wall and he has to move forward no matter who the bleep is in his way. And I'm like, who? <laughs> who is in your way, Dwayne? <laughs> who is stopping you? Like, based on all the movies you're in, if anything, it seems like too many people believe in you. <laughs> I won't back down from my enemy. His name is Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and when I find that guy... <laughs> anyway... This whole message is vague, and just all of him is unrelatable. I don't know what to do with that advice. His back is against the wall. Like, what's the wall? <laughs> That's his brother. <laughs> anyway, Little Women has so many wonderful, relatable situations for me that I was just in it and connected to this story. I never felt mm -hmm. talked down to, and the messages were very clear, too. But some of my favorite relatable moments, at one point, Joe says, having no conscience would be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that true? Yeah. It really is, especially according to the, the Sociopath Next Door, that book that we did an episode on uh, last year. It literally is easier for those people. I mean, they will also never know happiness. But <laughs> but I've thought about that. Uh, I remember feeling that way with a couple of friends that I knew. They would set stuff on fire and they would egg people's houses. You know, that's apparently what people did before candy crush but i just remember thinking uh, like i how do you guys just do that and then not feel bad for those people right like what would it be like to live to have that freedom another part <laughs> oh so you said that jealously <laughs> your aerial singing part of your world was to sociopaths <laughs> following the rules you don't get too far <laughs> Lack of remorse is required for getting your way. <laughs> what would it be to never feel, what's the word again? Guilt. <laughs> so another relatable moment, Joe and Lori and Amy are ice skating. Joe angrily ice skates away from Amy. It reads, Joe had cherished her anger and let it grow strong until it took possession of her. And just the way she phrases that, yeah. cherished her anger. I think most of us can admit to that feeling that sure. way at some point, that toxic appeal of being mad at someone. Uh -huh. And it only makes things worse and worse. Alcott continues, she let it grow strong till it took possession of her, as evil thoughts and feelings always do, unless they're cast out at once, mm. which really is the best advice. The best solution is just to stop dwelling on it as fast as you can. So there's a lot of, again, just great advice in this. Let go of expectations, be kind to the less fortunate. And in the last paragraphs of the book, there's this wonderful line, which is really kind of a summation of the whole book, where she writes, Beauty, youth, good fortune, even love itself cannot keep care and pain, loss and sorrow from the most blessed, for into each life some rain must fall. Oh, man. And I imagine at that point, The Rock is like, yeah, when the rain gets in my way, I punch it in the face. <laughs> Get out of here, rain. Don't you know my back's against a wall? <laughs> 
I will say, even with her morals written well, even she got tired of them. Apparently, when she went back to writing her novels that were more like thrillers, she wrote in her journal, enjoy doing it, have tired of providing moral pap for the young. (laughs) (laughs) All right, lesson four. It's not the death, it's the grief. Kellen, tell me if you've ever had this happen. You're in an emotional situation. Maybe someone passed away, maybe it's a wedding, and you're keeping it together until you see someone else is crying, and then you are just screwed. Mm. I've noticed it's the worst if it's someone who never cries. That's like the nuclear cry button. (laughs) There must be something in our mirror neurons where, you know, it's like seeing someone else yawn. I bring this up because when I look at what I think of as the best death scenes in books or movies or TV, I realize I'm not usually responding to the death. I'm usually responding to someone's grief about the death. Like, for instance, the the saddest moment in Hamilton is It's Quiet Uptown, which isn't the death song. It's the grief song. Mm. So here's a passage about Joe after Beth dies. Often she started up at night thinking Beth called her, and when the sight of the little empty bed made her cry with the bitter cry of unsubmissive sorrow, Oh, Beth, come back, come back. Her mother came to comfort her with tears that were mute reminders of a greater grief than Joe's. Mm. It's such a devastating moment, and it's more devastating because you know Louisa May Alcott went through that herself when her sister Lizzie died. Anyway, I don't, I don't have any actual qualifications to say this, but it does make me think that grief is probably supposed to be communal and supposed to be a shared thing. Mm. So also don't worry to compensate for the serious point. In random facts, I have 40 jokes about diarrhea. <laughs> All right, random facts. <laughs> When I bought the book, Little Women, it said, you may also like, and the very first recommendation was The Metamorphosis by Kafka. (laughs) What? (laughs) That poor, stupid algorithm just trying its best. If you like seeing little women turn into adults, you will love seeing man turn into giant, horrible bug. (laughs) As I mentioned before, this book is slow, but I didn't mind that asterisk, except for the last chapter when it talks a lot about the grandkids in this story, and I just don't care about them. A general rule that I give to new writers is that the last 10 pages of a book kind of late to introduce new characters. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The actress Eliza Scanlon, I only know her in two roles. In one, she plays Beth March. In the other, she plays a serial killer. So her roles average out to just a normal person. (laughs) At one point of the book, somebody's trying to make small talk with Joe, and this nice person mentions that they just read one of Joe's stories in the newspaper. And Joe says, oh, I write that rubbish just because it sells and ordinary people like it. (laughs) (laughs) And now... After my next show, the first person that comes to compliment me on my set, I just want to be like, really? I only write jokes for dumb people. (laughs) Kellen, there are two books, mostly loved by women, that have love triangles where a man is rejected by the woman he loves, so he settles for a woman who shares 50% of her DNA. Can you tell me the books? (laughs) All right. um, Little Women... The Old Testament. (laughs) 
I'll write three books. <laughs> and two of them happen to someone named Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this line from the Little Women movie script. Joe says, I can't get over my disappointment in being a girl. And then the description says, Lori doesn't look disappointed that she's a girl at all. <laughs> It'd be funny if uh, Timothy Chalamet, he took that direction and was like, okay, so I just sort of make big eyes and look her up and down a few times. <laughs> and steam comes out of my ear. Mm, mm. <laughs> at one point, Joe is at Lori's house and she's looking at a painting on the wall of his grandpa, not knowing that the man himself has just stepped into the room. And she just says to who she thinks is Lori, she says, his mouth is grim and looks as if he's got a tremendous will of his own and he isn't as handsome as my grandfather. <laughs> I think this might be the first, he's standing right behind me, isn't he? Moment <laughs> in history. <laughs> Sitcom writers across 150 years all spat out their coffee. <laughs> As a kid, I would get confused when I heard people talk about this book because I have an uncle and aunt named Joe and Lori, but the genders are swapped. <laughs> <laughs> There's this beautiful moment that's not in the movies where after losing Beth, Joe finds herself doing a little more chores around the house. It's just something she never did before. But Beth did, and it's just a way that Joe feels closer to her sister, and I think a, a neat little bend of a character arc as well. Yeah. My first real experience with the story was from the 1994 movie, and I just remember walking away really sad from it. But in the book, she handles loss with such grace, mm -hmm. not denying sorrow, but showing that there are healthier ways to prepare for loss and to grieve. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, I sort of saw it coming because of what Beth rhymes with. <laughs> As if that was intentional foreshadowing. <laughs> Let's see, should I call her pieing? No. <laughs> I mean, she's literally... Plancer? She's just... <laughs> Plalera. <laughs> Plarlet Pleaver. <laughs> also, why are we just on plus? <laughs> <laughs> Ploking on a plot dog. <laughs> oh, that's too many middle names. <laughs> All right, to recap our favorite lessons from Little Women. One, you may not be the best judge of your work. Two, it's weird that red flags don't see themselves. Three, I'll take a suggestion from you if you can relate with me. Four, it's not the death, it's the grief. And five, just remember, your back's up against a rock wall. time a girl's about to dump me, I always promise her I'll be taller. <laughs> no, I can grow. Mm -hmm.